the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. George Brockler back with you here on the George Show 710 KNUS. It is hour four of four before we turn it over to Charlie Kirk at 10 and then Dennis Prager, Seb Gorka, Brandon Tatum, and then come back to you live and local at 6 a.m. tomorrow, which will be, folks, the last day of the work week for just about everybody. We're going to be joined on the line here by a superstar, guy who just completed a marathon and that's really why I asked him to come on here was to talk about that. His name is Michael Fields. He is the president of Advanced Colorado Institute. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, George. Talk about the marathon. How'd that go? It was good. You know, at, at my age, just trying to finish is the is the goal. Uh, but we did it in Houston, and, you know, it was a little chilly there. Obviously not as cold as it was here, but got through it without walking at all, and that was the ultimate goal. Well, listen – you said something that made everybody listening scream, screw you, Fields, at your age? <laughs> at your age? Where are you in your 60s, I mean, I'm Michael? Not 20. I'm not 20 anymore, you know? We got, I got oh, yeah. Five How old kids. are you? How I'm, old are you? Uh, 30, 36. <laughs> that is laugh-out-loud offensive. At my age, at your age, man, you should be running a marathon a week. Somewhere, but I, I am impressed because I had intended to do the same thing not at Houston. I was going to do it uh, back in October, but I couldn't get to this thing for a lot of reasons. Uh, how was the time? Uh, it was good. It was uh, it was a fun time. You know, I'd never been to Houston, and so it was good kind of uh, seeing that city. And there's there's still time for you to do another one. I mean, we can we can sign I think up for a, my, a at my period. age. And when I say at my age, well, that's legit. Old. What <laughs> what what time did you put up? Uh, it was like four forty. See, it's I like still think the fact the, that, you know, I I think that's impressive. Listen, if you're running the whole thing, if you're running twenty six point two miles and you're not walking, yeah. that in and of itself is a huge achievement. What was your longest training yeah. run? The twenty miles, and that's the problem. Is like you know, I've had knee issues, and so it was just you know, around mile seventeen, eighteen, your knee starts hitting. I was on a, a better pace than that, um, but then you just try to finish. So I. I never really, I think the theory of, you know, you only go 20 miles, like I did a training yeah, yeah, program yeah. and that's how far it told me to go, but it's just like everybody's hurt or having issues in those last six miles. And so why wouldn't you go, like if I did another one, I would probably just train the whole thing, you know, before running it. Cause your body's not used to it. It's like running the boulder boulder after you ran 20 miles and expecting, you know, you to do that well. So a lot of people fall off near the end. Um, you know, that is something that our friend Dustin said too, is that he was like, no, no, train for further than you're yeah. going to run for that exact same reason. So that, that isn't actually why I called to have you on, but I did want to <laughs> congratulate you on completing that. Um, ha having said that you have been very busy, you've been so busy, not only doing your job, but doing all the other things uh, we weren't able to get you on to have some of these conversations closer to the action, but it feels like you get new stuff to talk about all the time. Can we go backwards a bit and talk about you and the legislature and super secret squirrel stuff? What, what was going on there? 
Yeah, so basically for years, the legislature uh, had been doing secret voting where they would send this link out to legislators and they would rank what bills they liked more than other bills. And it would have an impact on how legislation would end up. And we never knew how people were voting. We never knew the scoring system, everything else that was happening. And so this is literally secret voting on uh, you know, the future of these this legislation. And as we know, in Colorado, all this is supposed to be open to the public. We know how our legislators feel about issues. We can hold them accountable. That wasn't the case for several years. And so I kept waiting for somebody to sue over this uh, and say that this violated, you know, our open meetings laws. Nobody did. And so we did uh, a few months ago and we won the case right before session started. And so the judge basically said, because this is not, uh, you know, information that's going out to the public, because you can't hold your uh, elected official accountable, they can no longer use this secret voting system. And so we thought it was a win kind of for transparency and accountability. Was, was this a partisan issue? So the Democrats obviously were the ones doing it, uh, given the fact that they had uh, control, or they have control of the legislature. But uh, Republicans, I think, had used it one or two of the years also or participated in it. But uh, it became, you know, something that Chris Hansen brought, uh, Senator Chris Hansen brought to the legislature and leadership on both sides had been using it. Once we filed the lawsuit, the Senate side said, well, we're not going to use it anymore anyway. The House didn't say that. And we wanted to make sure this isn't a partisan issue. We should, you know, we want to hold Republicans accountable as citizens and we want to hold Democrats accountable as citizens. But we have to know how they're voting on stuff in order to do that. Well, I think it's important people remember, too, that Advanced Colorado is not partisan. It, it nope. may be ideological and that it may be conservative, but it isn't mm -hmm. Republican or Democrat. And transparency is key to the whole conservative thing. Um, which court found your way or found Colorado's way? Yeah, so it was it was Judge Goldberg, um, who we've talked that about. That dude gets everything, doesn't he? Hasn't he become the, <laughs> the go-to guy? You're like, you just see him all the time. And, you know, he's pushed back against the legislature before did in this case, uh, I thought wrote a really good uh, opinion on it. And, you know, it was one of those where it was pretty clear cut. And I think the legislature knew it, you know, going into it. And this was one where, you know, we also included uh, Bob Marshall in it, who Bob Marshall goes around and, you know, sues school districts and other, uh, you know, local governments over violating open meetings. But he participated in this program, too. Uh, oh, and Holy hypocrisy, you know, we, Batman. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, um, yeah, it was one of those where, you know, I'm glad the, that uh, J Judge Goldberg came out the way that he did. And I think it just sends a message to the legislature that, you know, these backroom, backdoor deals they're making, uh, you know, and, and keeping this information from the public shouldn't be happening. And and now it's, you know, shown that it's illegal. Did did they resist it? Like when you guys went to court, did they send someone to go, no, no, this is all cool? Yeah. Yeah, they did. <laughs> um, what? They, they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> They defended it um, and lost. So uh, I, I don't know, you know, if they're going to. Where did the that. funds? I, I when did the where did the funds come from to pay for an attorney to walk in and go? No, no, this is okay. Well, this is tax. I mean, this is why you know it matters who you elect because this is taxpayer money that's then being used to defend something that's clearly illegal, and the judge found it that way. And so you know, this was uh, I, I think something that should have been dealt with years ago, but I'm glad that it's being dealt with now, and they can't you know, hide their votes. And that's really what, what was going on was saying, we don't want to be on record that we dislike this or that we like this. We just want this to go into some system that, you know, spits out the answers. And then, and, and but the reason that we found out about it was legislators started complaining because their bill, which they thought was going to be really popular, you know, got very few votes in this system and ended up being killed.
It's like secret legislative stuff. And Chris Hansen was the originator of this? I'm sure you're shocked, but yes. I am shocked. The dude wanted to be mayor of Denver, too. I wonder how that would have turned out. Um, Listen, that's a huge win right there. First off, any other pending litigation out there that we're waiting uh, for resolution? Yeah, so we're appealing to the 10th Circuit on the ballot language uh, case. So basically saying that, you know, they put in uh, on our tax cuts this language that says it's going to cut these different areas, even when that's a lie. And so we basically have a case uh, that's going in front of the 10th Circuit. Uh, if, you know, ballot title language is pure government speech and they can lie and say whatever they want in it, or is it, you know, quasi-private speech where we're, you know, being represented, our, our ballot measures being represented with this language, and do we have any uh, say over if there's a lie in it or not? So it's a really interesting kind of First Amendment case. Uh, of, you know, uh, and, and it really ties in with our ballot initiative process and the legislature going after us because we're able to cut taxes uh, when they don't like that. So uh, we'll see how that one ends up turning out. How do you feel about it? And who's who's representing the good guys on that one? So uh, Troy Ide is is representing oh, us. That's a big uh, hitter. With, yeah, he, and he obviously a very good lawyer. Um, I don't know how it ends up turning out i mean i know how it should but you know this is one where government is basically you know trying to take over the citizens initiative process more and more make it tougher and you know it, it is a federal case but you know there's a lot of state ramifications too and so we'll see how it turns out but you know we're obviously moving forward with ballot measures regardless but they literally came in and said you have to put things in the language to discourage people from voting to cut their taxes because we disagree with them as legislators. Now, so it, we we in our constitution changed it under Tabor to put language like that. They, I, I think, they want to act like this is the mirror to that language. But the language that you know, the all caps that says "shall we raise taxes?" blah blah blah, which is all a hundred percent factual, right? Like theirs is much more subjective and doomsday stuff. Like, do you want to yeah. see puppies drowned and stuff like you know, crazy things. It, and in the cases that we use, a blatant lie, you know, saying that money's going to come from education when it's going to come from, uh, you know, not come from education at all, that it would be lower taper refunds, but we would get a tax cut, right? Like it, it is something that would not impact the budget at all. Uh, we've had those kinds of measures where it was a blatant lie. I think to the taper point, I mean, that's something that citizens put in that we wanted in the citi- right. you know, in citizens initiative process and for legislators. We are in charge of both of those processes. Uh, the Constitution also talks about the separation between the citizens initiative process and the legislature, right? That that is an important piece of this, that we can put anything we want on the ballot uh, as long as it you know, falls within single subject, et cetera. They're trying to step into our lane and say it has to say these things. I think it's very different than, than the Tabor language. Well, I do, too, because the other language is merely a statement of fact that's meant to yes. warn or advise people of a thing. Shall we raise taxes to draw your attention to the fact that otherwise they would use some flowery language like investment or something like that? Whereas their language, as you pointed out, is purely fictional. It's just all the horrible stuff that can flow from this. Like, do you want your your kids to attend a school without heat? Vote for the blah, blah. You know, think just crazy stuff. I, I'm anxious to see how this thing turns out. Does it have any potential to end up at the U.S. Supreme Court? And I don't mean just like speculatively, but I mean, when you're when the attorney who are uh, when Troy looks at this, does he say, hey, 
this thing could end up there, or is this going to end up just dying, they think, at the 10th Circuit one way or the other? I don't know. I think it's possible, given the fact that Colorado hasn't had a good uh, recent history when it comes to free speech issues going up to the Supreme Court. Uh, I think, you know, at every step, you know, it's expensive to do legislation or to do uh, litigation. And you look at this and think, you know, is this something that we think we could win moving up? It's definitely something that I was just talking about yesterday and saying, you know what, Um, they they've they've lost several cases in in, Colorado defending laws that, uh, you know, the Supreme Court found to be unconstitutional. So it's definitely a possibility. Hopefully we can win it at the 10th Circuit, get this changed. And all we want to do is go back to, you know, doing tax cuts the way that we did, where it was, you know, do you want to lower the rate from 4.6 to 4.5 percent? Everybody knows what that is. Everybody knows it has consequences one way or the other. That's what it should, you know, should be not, you know, is this going to cut fire and water and all these different things that they're listing in there that that's just not true. Uh, we're talking with Michael Fields, president of Advanced Colorado uh, Institute. You are also busy doing things in front of that very title board that we've sort of talked about here almost every time you're on, including today. Uh, what's going on there? What What is it you guys are trying to get on the ballot? Yeah, so, you know, we know with the legislature being so far to the left and not passing good policy, making things worse in Colorado, that we have to go straight to voters. And so we have a, a measure on the ballot already for next year that would cap the increase in property taxes at 4%. We also just got through uh, a version of our truth and sentencing, which I've been on this show talking about before, but basically keeping violent criminals in jail for 85% of their sentence instead of 43 what they currently serve. Um, we also have a law enforcement measure that we're pushing through that would put more uh, state money towards uh, local law enforcement. And then another property tax measure that would basically roll back this huge increase that we're about to see in property taxes. So putting these all through title board and then the next step, once we get that title set, is to go get signatures and get them on the ballot. I'm hoping we get several of these on the ballot uh, because they're all popular you know, ideas that the legislature would never pass. Um, I, I'm interested in knowing more about that. Um, when you, we'll talk about the, the sentencing one in a bit. I really like that one as well, but what does that look like? That kind of property owner tax relief thing look like, is it just a straight cut across the board, a temporary suspension or something? What is it? Yeah. So basically we want to go back to right before this spike happened. And so there's two ways to do it. You can just say, uh, you know, we're going to go back. Your house is going to be worth for tax purposes, worth less. Uh, and then do a cap on how much it can go up. You also can just cut the rates. And I think that's more likely what we end up doing is coming in and saying, how much did property taxes go up by 20, 25%, 30%? uh, We're going to cut the rate by that much. And then moving forward, it would be a permanent cut. And moving forward, uh, you know, we would not have to pay these huge increases in taxes. So there's there's multiple ways to do it. But the key is we shouldn't be facing this 30% increase And then this can happen again in the future if we don't cap property tax growth. And I think the key with it is just saying, look, you know, your wages only go up a certain amount. You shouldn't be paying, you know, 10 times that in in property taxes. And, you know, people really want and say, just because my house went up in value doesn't mean I have more money in my pocket. And so property taxes are something that, as you know, have been a big issue for people. You know, 90 percent of Coloradans are concerned about it because it you know we have a high cost of living in colorado right now and property taxes are a part of that too uh, talk about the uh the wait a minute there was that one the sentencing one was there a third one law enforcement we're yeah putting more money 350 million dollars from the general fund 
to increase training, recruitment, salaries for law enforcement across the state, that, that local and, and county. Would level. that end up being, yeah, would that be grant funded in some way yes. to the, the counties and the municipalities? That's exactly right. Um, you know, we don't specify exactly how that's done, but it's going to be basically moving money from, you know, the big state budget that we have uh, to make sure that law enforcement is taken care of better. Uh, we also have what we're putting in is a uh, death benefit, you know, that if a officer is killed in the line of duty, uh, that their family would get a million dollars and making sure that it happens pretty quickly, that this isn't drawn out you know, over a several year period. Um, but, you know, that I think that's important because we have seen, as you know, uh, officers uh, being killed in the line of duty and think that their family should be taken care of. So that's part of it, too. Um, that one right there, is it going to, does it have to have any of that? This is a tax raise language or is it because we're no. shifting other funds? We're, we're prioritizing, yeah. I guess the current general fund is what we're doing. That's exactly right. So I think that we'll end up with decent language on that one. Uh, it's just telling, you know, the state that they have to create this grant program and, and fund it, uh, that $350 million and it goes up with, uh, you know, uh, with inflation every year. So, uh, I think that that'll be a good measure that that's popular, um, you know, we know in, in the rise of crime across the state, you know, we're talking two measures, uh, you know, as we talk about truth and sentencing, too. But the other side of that is making sure we're recruiting, retaining, having good law enforcement uh, in order to, uh, you know, make sure that the laws are being followed, even though at the legislature, they're doing the reverse of that. Right. They're making things, uh, you know, easy, making it easier for criminals. But on the other hand, we need to support law enforcement. And so we think this is an important measure to do that. That third one is one that you had tried before to get on the ballot at the same time that I think the governor and the attorney general would have been on the ballot, along with the secretary of state. And lo and behold, it didn't make it on the ballot. Can you just do us a favor and remind us about what happened? Yeah, so we got uh, our truth and sentencing measure knocked off at the last uh, title board meeting. And there was a very small technical correction um and you know basically the ag's representative came in to knock it off during that meeting and so we couldn't bring it forward at the same year that the attorney general that the governor would be on the ballot and so uh what we (laughs) what we decided to do is bring it back because it's good policy uh and so you know we have gotten it through title board once we didn't get the we didn't go out and get the signatures in time and so you have a six-month window and so we're opening up a new six-month window because we think that we're definitely going to go and move forward with this measure to make sure that violent criminals uh, serve uh, 85% of their sentence instead of, instead of 43%. And this is the worst of the worst, right? This is uh, rapist. This is secondary murder, kidnapping, et cetera. Um, these are, you know, about 500 people a year that get convicted of these crimes. But they're the people that go out and reoffend. And, you know, violent crimes. These are, you know, people that are doing stuff to, to kids, et cetera. So we think that this is an important first step to hold, uh, you know, these criminals accountable, but also to push back against the legislature who is allowing the parole board, who is allowing these people to get out and reoffend at a very high rate. Now, that 85 percent, you know, in law right now, it says 75 percent, but that turns out yeah, to be but, fake. But you, what have you? Yeah, go ahead. Because you have earned time and good time, and then the parole board lets you out, right? So, like, in theory, it's 75%. What we're saying is it has to be 85%. That earned time, good time, everything else can add up to 15% of it, right? You can go down to 85, but you can't go down to 43, and that's what's happening right now. So there's this loophole in the law. It says 75, but nobody's serving 75% of that sentence. 
and, and I think the key is just knowing as a, as a victim, as a society, right, that if you get a 20-year sentence, you're not getting out at seven years. Like, I think people would be shocked to know that this happens. And, and they are because we talk about it out there and people think if you get 20 years, you're going to be around 20 years. That's not the case. Uh, and these are very dangerous offenders. Very dangerous. D- during the sentencing phase, uh, judges will routinely say, hey, the legislature requires me to say, in essence, um, that the person may serve less than the amount of time that I have indicated here, blah, blah. But they never do the math on it until right. the McLean case. <clears throat> Mark Warner, the judge who oversaw the prosecution of the police officers and the paramedics when he was sentencing Randy Rodema, in concocting his sentence, which included 14 months of work release, said, this is why I'm doing this instead of prison. He will actually serve as much or more time through this process than practically speaking if I sentence him to prison on the other charge, which is a gong show thing. I mean, how is that possible? I'm, I'm glad you guys are tackling this. Yeah, and part of it's just informing people this is going on, right? Like, I, I'm sure, you know, you know this as a, as a DA, but, um, you know, people are just shocked to know if you get X sentence that you're not even serving anywhere near that. And if you want to change the sentencing, okay, then let's have that discussion. I don't think that's what's needed in Colorado right now is the lesson sentences, but at least be honest about it, right? That's why it's called truth in sentencing is saying um, we're going to give you a sentence and you're you know going to be very close to that uh, amount when you get out. And I think that's a, a key kind of education front, but also just the practicality of, you know, having 500 of these people, who are out there, uh, you know, with the worst crimes, getting out at less than half their sentence is really bad policy. And I think Coloradans are suffering because of it. Uh, Are there any other measures that you guys are seeking to get onto the ballot? And for folks who are thinking, wow, how hard is this to do this? What does the calendar look like? Like, when does it become impractical to get this done? Yeah, so you're kind of running out of time because, you know, you think about, uh, so to get something on the November ballot, you want you're going to need, you know, you have six months to get signatures. You're going to need at least four months. You're going to need a lot of money to do it. Uh, the last time you can actually go through title board is in April. Uh, but, you know, we're getting stuff through now because there's appeals and rehearings and it's a very long process, but it's worthwhile to do it. Um, those are the main ones that we're looking at right now. There's always stuff that pops up, things that we might put through for different reasons. Um, but you know, this is kind of, if people have ideas to get it through, now's the time to do it. And then you need that 125,000 signatures, ballot signatures to get it on the ballot. And so a lot of times this costs, you know, over a million dollars in order to do it. Whoa. Can you give out your cell phone number in case people wanted to call and ask about, I'm kidding. (laughs) There was a caller that called in by the way, to the show and asked a question. And that question was, (laughs) it's, it's 303-911. No, um, It says, what about Tabor refunds? Is the legislature going to make it a flat refund or even inverse where poor taxpayers get the most and rich get the least? Not percentage, but total dollars. Is that going to happen? And can they do that themselves without going to us? Yeah, so they can change the Tabor refund mechanism. They did it for a year. So now we've had two years in a row with flat Tabor refunds. Um, I anticipate that that probably will get extended again, but it's something that uh, Governor Polis doesn't like a whole lot. Um, I think he likes how the system, how it was before. And so there's this back and forth between him and the legislature on it. Um, I, you know, this is, they passed the special session bills and those were for one year. And so this is another one where our property taxes are going up. They're going to go up even more next year if they don't do something uh, 
to continue on the you know the, the one year cut. Similar similarly, the flat taper refund was a one year thing. So naturally, it will go back to the old system, but the legislature you know will try to make a push to, to continue to do that. If they don't solve this Denver renter problem, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, come on. Uh, why not address property owners? Um, another thing about this uh, quickly on that, um, the governor during his state of the state had actually championed the idea. And you said this, I think, in the debate with him and Art Laffer. Like, listen, these huge Tabor refunds, they're a reflection of government taking too much money. Dude says the same thing. Now, the handful of Republicans that are still in the legislature clap, but it was outer space-like silence from his delegation. Is that a possibility that they could do something like that? No, I don't think that it is. I mean, I think they should cut taxes, and that's what Polis says. Why are we you know, refunding money every year if we're taking in more than, you know, than they can keep? Uh, why not just do a tax cut? But he has no sway with his, uh, you know, legislative with legislative leadership with the Democrats in the legislature to cut taxes. And so this is one of those where he gets to say whatever he wants and come across as more moderate, but still can't lead to get his own party to cut taxes, to do what the people want. And so this becomes, you know, something that he just says and can point to in his state of the state all the time. I pointed out in that debate, I said, why don't you step up and do something? Like True leadership isn't whatever comes to my desk. It's this is what should be at my desk, and I'm going to put pressure on the legislature to do it. He won't do that. And so it just becomes, you know, this talking point that he has, uh, and the Democrats do whatever they want in the legislature, spend more, raise fees, want higher taxes, uh, try to get around Tabor. I mean, that's their, their philosophy is to grow government, not to, to keep it in check. You are a law-talking guy. Final thing, we talk with Sherry Pife about um, this story that she broke about Ian Silveri, formerly of Progress Now, currently a husband of CD7 Congresswoman uh, Brittany Pedersen, getting this huge contract out of Jeffco. Are you aware of that story, by the way? I, I saw it. I didn't read the details of it, but I did see it's that a he lot. got paid but, a lot of money for uh, – to basically, you know, be anti-Tabor in Jefferson County, I believe it was. Yeah, right? yeah. The, the 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 gist of that was, and sort of the conversation I was having with Sherry is, is there some pro, you know, prohibition against that in the law that says that government can't spend taxpayer dollars to encourage people to raise taxes on themselves or to campaign for a ballot issue or against a ballot issue? Yeah, so there is um, that they can't use taxpayer money in order to support or oppose a, a ballot measure. The way that a lot of people get around that is, and I don't know the details of this case, but basically they pay some consultants to come up with how to draft the language and messaging and all this before it's on the ballot, right? So before it actually is certified for the ballot, they spend all this money on consultants to try to find the best way to take our tax money. And so it's, you know, I think it's unethical to do it um, and, and they shouldn't be, but technically breaking the law would be spending money to campaign for something taxpayer money after it's uh, certified for the ballot craziness well listen uh, i appreciate you making time out of your busy post marathon schedule with the did you say five kids i had told somebody yeah six but that's I no, guess, next we, year we had our fifth three months ago so uh i think that's it but we might we might have one more you never know I don't know what you're doing to Millie. I don't understand how you're convincing her to continue to have that many kids. Is it her that's driving the ship or is it you? I mean, I think we both, we both, uh, after every kid, you come to that. (laughs) It's decision making (laughs) together. But 
we need we need you know good kids out there hopefully our kids end up good like yours so we we need more of them um buddy thanks thanks for coming on we'll have you on again in the future to talk to us about how this thing goes can't wait to see what shenanigans the title board might engage in to try to hamstring your ability to allow coloradans to vote on things that they want but uh we'll talk about it in the future thanks man sounds good thanks george Hey, that was Michael Fields, president of Advanced Colorado Institute. Guy just knows stuff, and he's busy all the freaking time, uh, apparently making babies and running marathons in addition to trying to save Colorado one ballot measure at a time. I'm going to cut away for a break. I want to tell you about our good friends at QC Kinetics. That's the letter Q, the letter C, and the word Kinetics, all jammed next to each other, dot com. These are the folks that have figured out a way to give you an alternative to costly out-of-pocket surgery with all the long-term consequences, the rehabilitation, the pain meds. They give you that alternative, and they say, come see us, right? Come check out our website at qckinetics.com, and then come make an appointment to see us. Call 303-900-8986. First, quiz them. Ask them anything you want. But if you've got pain, chronic pain, in your back, in your knees, your hips, your whatever the joints are, These folks do that regenerative medicine where they've figured out a way to use you to help fix you. They take the good parts and put it in the parts that need help. It's a needle. That's it. Less scary than all of the other, the cutting and the digging around and the stitches and all the other stuff. You don't have to deal with that. Walk in, walk out. We've got good friends that are doing it right now. Check them out at 303-900-8986. That's qckinetics.com. When we come back... Your calls and your texts, what are you hearing out there? Where is Colorado headed? Do you support these ballot measures that Michael Fields was talking about? I do. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here, 710 Canyon West. Right before we get to Nick and the others at 303-696-1971, let me remind you about Mitch Floria, superstar countertop upgrader through the art of granite. It's kind of a misleading website because even though it's those four words that have granite in at the end, theartofgranite.com, it's not just granite. Guy does marble. Guy does quartz. That's all the man-made stuff. Uh, Have him and his experts come over to your house, take a look, and see what they can do, or better yet, get in your car, drive over, very easy to get to, at about Colfax and 6th Avenue, go into the showroom and check it out. The materials they have are going to blow you away, and they're going to get those creative juices flowing. So whether it's the kitchen, the laundry room, the bathroom, a finished basement, it doesn't matter. Give Mitch a call on his cell phone at 303-386-5919. Here's the deal. Wholesale prices, that's going to be yours just for being a customer. But if you tell him you're a George listener, a 710 listener, one, he loves the show. Two, that's why he's here. He's going to throw in something extra. He's going to throw in that bathroom countertop with the kitchen countertop package or whatever room you're doing. Or he'll throw in the sink for free with whatever countertop package you get. That's Mitch Flory at theartofgranite.com. Going right to the phone lines. Nick, you're on 710 KNUS. Nick, what do you think? Uh, let me just uh, run a couple of uh, one idea by you. Most people don't sure. have time or the inclination to really get into how how out of control government is, especially our state government here in Colorado. They just don't have the inclination or the time. And I'm just kind of toying around with the idea, and I'm working with a few people to tally up the real cost of government 
everything you pay, direct, indirect taxes, the fees and everything else, and total it up on a monthly basis and post it online. So people can have, they can just look at the numbers in 10 seconds or less and and have it really drilled home how much all this government is costing us and how little they're getting back for it. Uh, how would we do that? How do we make sure that we got the accurate numbers? I love the idea of having some sort of a ticker or some sort of place that people can right. go and find because, that information. Now, but, how do you do it, though? Well, I mean, uh, obviously, obviously you total up all the taxes that everybody, that the, that, uh, the state of Colorado has collected, both indirect and direct. And I'm sure there are all kinds of websites you can go on and get that information relatively quickly, unless they're fudging the numbers there, too. Um, but I don't think it would be that complicated, and and you'd have to do some digging. But at, like anything else, once you've done it for a while, then you just get better at it, and you know exactly where to look. But most people have no clue. For instance, most people just pay their their phone bill and don't realize that there are probably five different taxes on that. I realize they don't call it taxes; they call it revenue enhancement. They call it fees. They call it grandma's birthday present. They call it anything right, but a tax. Right, right. But, but most people just aren't aware of the true cost of all this government. And the quickest way to get somebody's attention is their pocketbook. I think that's true. You know, there's a, a website out there that was heavily touted by Hick and Polis, this sort of transparency website where you can look up any uh, state employee's salary, but you can't. That that's fake. It is so cumbersome and so difficult yes. to find that you cannot find their salary. So, for instance, you have to go. And I've done this. I've looked at the annual salary requests by the attorney general's office going back to when Diamond Phil showed up and blew up the administrative <clears throat> part of the office. We've never spent more money on the AG's office than we do every single year under this guy and he's blown up the administration like the not not the people that are the worker bees but the people that supervise the supervisors of the supervisors of the worker bees exactly that part right. of the office has exploded if you tried to go in and find their individual salaries good luck you can't do it what we need to have is a transparency and some people say well people in government may not want people to know their salaries i've got a solution don't work for the government go work somewhere else well, you know, see, this is the classic double standard. Any, if you work in the private sector, and you do, um, and I do, um, anybody can find anything about me that they want. So, so why shouldn't the same rules apply to a government official? I don't. I, I think there's a, a little bit different. I think that there actually ought to be more information available on government employee pay and benefits yes. than on yours and mine, Absolutely. right? Like, shouldn't yes. that be the case? At least parity. But this idea yes. that some people wouldn't work for the government if they knew that their neighbors could find out their salary, I totally respect that. But don't expect privacy when you take taxpayer dollars. That just doesn't yes. make any exactly. sense. You can right now, every member of the military, and, and I realize it's different, it's regimented, based on their rank and years of service, you can find out everything that they get paid as part of their base salary and based on their zip code, That's what true. they might be getting as far as BAH. That you don't get any sort of privacy, like, well, I'm a sergeant. I don't want my neighbors to know what I get paid. Nope. They can look it up. Right. I don't know, Nick. So, and I think, I think uh, instead of getting into the weeds with uh, political philosophy and Ludwig von Mises and all, that nobody's going to get into that unless you're really into that. But the fastest way to get somebody's attention is the pocketbook when you show them 
in, in 10 segments or less what the true cost of government is and what they're getting and, and for I it. And, and I really don't think we know. And, and the way they move we around don't. the money and the lack of transparency yes. and yes. who makes the decision, um, th- there's so much to fix about this government. The problem is when you are the Democrat Party and you look around and you see no legitimate challengers anywhere because of the composition of the electorate at this point, why don't you why do you have to do anything other than satisfy the left wing of your of your base? You don't need anything else. It doesn't matter anymore because exactly you're right. going to win just because you have a D next to your name. But I think you can start turning things around and see most people, <clears throat> including the millennials and the Gen Z, whatever they call themselves, have no clue what they're talking about. They have no clue what the actual cost of the government is that they keep voting for. They have no clue, not even a a guess of how much it is. I think that's probably true, man. And we always couch it in terms of this fund or that or this enterprise fee or that thing. We're never going to know. Nick, thanks for the phone call, man. Nick's line is open at 303-696-1971. Uh, let's do this. I want to tell you about Rocky Mountain Men's Clinic, and I'm, I'm proud to read for these guys and gals because one of the things that they tackle is sometimes the hardest thing to come to grips with or even talk to another person about, especially if you're a dude, right? Like even in modern America time where your gender is only as good as the next thought in your head, there are guys out there, especially in our age range, who notice a slowdown, and it's just because that's what happens when bodies get older. And some of that slowdown is addressable. Some of it is not. This is addressable. So if you're wondering, do I have a potential low T, low testosterone issue? That's not a thing for shame. Be excited because you can address that. Some of the problems people have, you can't fix. This one is fixable. Go to RockyMountainMensClinic.com. Take their 10-question true-false quiz. It's not a pass-fail thing. It's a, hey, are you a good candidate for this thing? And then you're going to get on the phone and dial 720-440-7900, 720-440-7900. You're going to talk to their professionals. You're going to ask them questions, and you're going to set up that appointment. It's only 99 bucks, but here's the deal. Once you commit to the program, that 99 bucks thing, it ends up becoming a free visit because they roll it into the cost of the rest of the procedure. Visit RockyMountainMensClinic.com, RockyMountainMensClinic.com. Let's cut away for a break. We'll come back for that final segment. We'll wrap up the calls. We'll wrap up the text. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here at 710-KNUS. Taking a look in that mirror, I notice uh, a lot. It feels like I am getting older more rapidly every single day. Of course, I blame the radio and getting up, even though it's after Billy, getting up way before humanity normally gets out of bed, unless you're driving around town with a body in your trunk or something like that. So I noticed the wrinkles. I noticed the fact that I keep seeming to put on weight like nobody's business because I just can't get the energy to work out uh, after the show because I get so drained and all that stuff, and then I got other jobs. But one thing I don't see, I don't see that, knock on wood, folks, I may be jinxing, I don't see the hair running away yet. Now, yep, it's turned Anderson Cooper gray slash white. Uh, nothing I can do about that. I did think about coloring it black jet, uh, jet black once, but then I thought people might notice and think that I colored my hair, so I'm not going to. But if you're out there, you look in the mirror, and, and you like everything you see except 
your hair is retreating. It is thinning. It is going away. And you say to yourself, you know what? On mom's side of the family, every dude ends up like that. You have an option, right? I have a couple. Wear hats. You can shave your head. That's what my brother did. That's what Geronimo did. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what Mr. Clean did. That, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is an alternative that allows you to keep that youthful look, get you your confidence back, and that's calling our friend Dr. Tanya Pauls and her team at the Advanced Hair Restoration folks. Now, you check them out at advancedhair.com. They find a way, guaranteed way, very easy, smooth, stress-free, calm, relaxed environment. Most experienced folks in this industry, and they're using your hair to help grow your hair. That's just how it works, right? Your own natural hair begins to grow the very next day after this outpatient stuff. Nobody else offers anything like it. And to encourage you to give them a call, it's 720-459-HAIR, 720-459-HAIR. They give you $250 off today and 250 free hair grafts. Check them out at advancedhair.com. Going to get right to the, the many, many texts here to see if I can get through them. And some of these are going back to some other conversations. The gun argument is dumb. Many people in other countries have guns. My wife is from Europe. Many have guns, especially in rural areas. They value life. Many women wouldn't even think about aborting a baby. Many men don't think about killing. America is sick. We value nothing but our own narcissistic desires. I think you might be right. With the ballot language requirement that tax cuts kill puppies, the fire districts, West Metro particularly, will say we can't save puppies without more money. <laughs> that might be true, too. Uh, Alexa had sent this quote from uh, 9mm News, and, and, and that's kind of a parody account from 9 News. They do a pretty decent job, by the way, but they've got this quote attributed to Tom Sullivan. I just It doesn't sound like Tom to me, especially because dude's a veteran. But it says Colorado's different than Ohio. We're much further down the road to socialism and are now. To, I, I don't think that's Tom. I think that's a parody quote or something. Just, if that's Tom, I got to find out. I, I will talk about it because that is crazy stuff. That quote is just crazy. Corey asked, how can we help with signature collection? I'd reach out to Advanced Colorado through the website and try to find that out. Jacqueline here. The only way you can get a rattlesnake out of your garden is to cut its head off. And Colorado needs to start at the top and clean house. That's not true. Well, when I, Jacqueline, <laughs> I am disappointed. It's not just kill the snake. No, Bi actually, there's, there's snake so charmer Billy. Ways. How do you get him out? Uh, okay, first, what do you do? Why, why, why do you want him out? What would be the point? Because I mean, you just, don't want to get bit. Okay, don't go near the snake. Problem solved. Yeah, I know, but it's in your garden, dude. You so, want to go to the garden? Are, what are you doing? Are you frol <laughs> I mean, are you frolicking? I mean, what, you're what, planting. What's going on? You're on your hands and knees planting, or oh. you're harvesting. Okay, that's easy. You either you can use and push it into a bucket, or if worse comes to worse, uh, you grab you grab the tail, the tail end of it. Uh, the snake can't oh turn back around. God. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I know you, when you say it, yeah. I know you believe it, and you've no. probably done it. Yeah, but to tell have. folks, just reach down and grab the snake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like... I, what? What? Is, what? <laughs> feel like you're on a college oh. date when you say something like <laughs> All right, that. All right, so you got 15 to make up for my stupidity. Uh, listen, thanks to Sherry Pife, thanks to Michael Fields, everybody else that called in. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.